0: The Book Nook on WYSO is presented by the Greene County Public Library with additional support from Clark County Public Library, Dayton Metro Library, Washington Centerville Public Library, and Wright Memorial Public Library.
1: Good morning. Welcome to the best of the Book Nook on WYSO. Last year, Robert Fogarty died. Bob was a longtime editor of the Antioch Review. He taught at Antioch College for decades, and he was an authority on planned communities. He knew all about them. He wrote widely about them. And back in 2000, I interviewed Bob for a book that was a diary of a woman who had lived in the Oneida colony in New York State back in the 19th century, And Bob was probably the uh, leading authority on this group. And she had written a diary, and then most of the papers from this group were destroyed. And somehow, miraculously, this diary survived. And then Bob edited it and published it. And it was called Desire and Duty at Oneida. And we've got the best of the book coming up for you with Bob Fogarty, recorded 22 years ago, right here in Yellow Springs. Let's listen.
0: In the United States, we've had uh, more social experiment uh, taking place in the 1840s and onward. And so the history of American utopias or the history of communal settlements is a vital part of American history. And it also presents sort of um, intellectual puzzles, namely, to try and understand why people join, whether or not these small organizations succeed and why they succeed, or if they fail, why they fail.
1: Oneida is probably one of the best known, and this book came as a result of an opening of the records.
0: Yes, Oneida is, uh, in every American history textbook, there are three communities that are mentioned. Uh, One of the Shakers noted for their furniture. The Mormons noted for their um, plural marriage practices and now an important mainstream religion in many ways. Uh, And then Oneida, Uh, all three of them are shaped by the events of the uh, reform movements of the 1830s and 1840s. Uh, And in the case of Oneida, the name lived on in the form of the Oneida silverware company, the flatware company that um, manufactures uh, and sells internationally uh, a gift that's given on marriage. Um, one of the ironies of, of that is that the Oneida community itself was uh, viewed in its day and was in fact a free love community. And they
1: began their manufacturing uh, with uh, some sort of of animal trap?
0: Yes, Oneida, which was founded in uh, 1848, um, succeeded economically by um, manufacturing traps, um, rat traps for um, an urban market and enormous bear traps and they were tremendously successful at this. They produced a better trap in fact Um, and therefore they were quite um, wealthy and well off Uh, and they began to manufacture ceremonial spoons in 1876 as the result of the Um, exhibition of 1876 that was held in Philadelphia, and they manufactured them for a commercial market. And when the community uh, dissolved and broke up in 1880, uh, the flatware business continued and continues to this day with um, some descendants as participants in the corporation, uh, but for a very long time as dominant players in the development of the Oneida uh, Community Silverware Company.
1: Where did the Oneida community come from? Who were these people?
0: Uh, the individuals who, who came and joined the community uh, were mostly New Englanders. Uh, they moved uh, from uh, Noyes himself, John Humphrey Noyes, who was the founder of the community, moved from um, Vermont um, uh, to New York State, uh, to Central New York, to what's called the Over District, which was an area of both religious and social ferment. Um, They came uh, to join a um, a rather remarkable um, communal organization uh, which was religious in its uh, traditions. Namely, it was uh, an offshoot of uh, radical Methodism. Uh, And these were pretty average and ordinary people. They were not like the people who joined Brook Farm, intellectuals particularly. Uh, These were mostly farmers. They were... uh, um, average people who were searching for um, a sense of religious security and found in the doctrines of uh, John Humphrey Noyes in what he called Bible Communism a satisfactory set of explanations for um, their religious lives.
1: Where did Noyes get his ideas?
0: Uh, Noyes is a, uh, a, a product of uh, uh, radical evangelical thought. Uh, He gets his ideas um, in part because he attends uh, the Yale Divinity School and is radicalized in the process. Um, His theological ideas are important for their time, and then his um, interpretations of the scriptures uh, having to do with um, what he called complex marriage are important. But his ideas were sort of floating around in theological circles, and uh, he was uh, a perfectionist. He believed that it was possible for individuals to achieve higher degrees of perfection and, in fact, to eliminate sin from their lives. They had to do this in a self-conscious way. Uh, And so he was, um, in some ways, like... uh, He was like young man Luther in some ways in his formative years trying to forge a different form of theology. And uh, the elements of that theology included uh, what he called freedom from sin, but also beyond that, an attack upon marriage as it was practiced in the 1840s.
1: My guest is Robert Fogarty. His book is Desire and Duty at Oneida, Terzan Miller's intimate memoir. When I read this book, I kept thinking to myself, if there was a community like this today, and people knew about it, there would be a lot of arrests, there would be a big scandal. How was America different then, that this could have occurred? And ultimately, there was a bit of a scandal, and the community broke up, but it went on for a long time.
0: Uh, Yes, I think partly because of the um, religious foundations of the society. Um, that they were um, uh, practicing a, uh, a form of marriage which involved individuals having uh, multiple partners. They did not particularly proselytize. They didn't st- uh, make a significant effort to spread the message, although they were not a closed society. Journalists came and interviewed them. Um, they were also in a, uh, a rural part of New York State. It had not been fully developed Uh, And I think that that gave them uh, a certain degree of anonymity. Um, uh, I think also the the radical temper of the times, a willingness to um, experiment, a willingness to challenge the traditional marriage order... um, Had um, its adherents, uh, and uh, they escaped significant prosecution. Periodically, uh, there would be questions raised about them, but and they were one of the reasons they, I think, escaped was that they were very good neighbors. Uh, They were prosperous. They were um, uh, they had a successful business. They went about um, their business and didn't particularly interfere in the lives of other people, Uh, and I think that accounts for uh, a large part of it in the eighteen. 80s, in the late, late 1870s, um, there's a campaign mounted against them, which helps to um, break up the community, but is not the determining factor for why the community eventually went from a socialistic and communistic society to a joint stock corporation. Who was Terza Miller? Uh, Terza is a, was a very interesting member of the Oneida community. Um her parents had joined the community in the um, in the early days. Uh, her father had been an important figure in the community. in uh, In had died, however, in in the 1850s, and so she was reared within the community itself. Uh, she's a quite remarkable diarist in the sense that uh, she was being groomed to be their Margaret Fuller, and Margaret Fuller was the great uh, intellectual leader of tran- of the transcendentalists. Uh, So she has uh, writing abilities, Uh, she's very self-reflective. The diary is kept from uh, her, she's in her twenties and thirties when she's writing the diary, and she's a quite prominent figure in the community in several ways. Uh, One, she was quite handsome and was therefore desired by many of the men in the community, and she was also someone who um, in her relationships, uh, was a favorite uh, of the community leader, John Humphrey Noyes. So she's situated in the community, both in terms of her attractiveness, her intelligence as a future leader of the community, and also that she's uh, an important figure in the developing political and power structure of Oneida.
1: You were there when they opened up. These particular records at uh, Oneida, how did you authenticate the memoir
0: well the The history of the of the community has been fraught uh, with difficulties in interpreting it simply because because of the sensational nature of the sexual relations that existed within the community. The descendants had often been um, ambivalent about their own history. Uh, They had remained uh, in the same area, many of them. Many of them had moved into management positions within the Oneida Corporation. And in fact, in the 1940s, the Oneida Corporation was so fearful uh, that someone like uh, Kinsey, the great sex researcher, would get a hold of the materials that large quantities of materials were burned. They were literally put into the back of a of a truck and carted off to be incinerated. Uh, but diaries remained in private and personal hands. Uh, this particular diary um, was saved from the great conflagration uh, because someone had loaned it to someone else. And therefore, it was not within his possession. And it was a fifth onion skin copy of, of Terz's uh, handwritten diary, Um, I was able to authenticate it in the sense that um, I was able to check against letters which were uh, available against other accounts Uh, and I'm quite sure that that the diary uh, since it has very dramatic scenes in it uh, there are conversations very intimate conversations between um, Terza and her uncle John Humphrey Noyes who is the leader of the community about sexual matters so the diary even though it has some minor gaps in it, is actually quite uh, consistent and whole. Uh, and I hadn't heard about it from descendants. And then when, after a 10-year closure of the papers, the Syracuse University Library opened it, I went on the day that the papers were opened and gained access to it and um, w- was able to verify m- almost all of the details in it. And I believe it to be a true and faithful uh, rendering of her memoir. My guest is
1: Robert Fogarty. The book is Desire and Duty at Oneida, Terza Miller's intimate memoir. It's just been published by the Indiana University Press. And I had to imagine what your feeling must have been like uh, when you first read it the first time through. How did you feel as you read it?
0: Well, I'd I'd published an earlier diary, I'd edited an earlier diary of a man in the community. Uh, He was not a particularly insightful diarist. Um, She's a quite different diarist. Uh, She opens it in very self-conscious sort of uh, autobiographical style. Um, She says, I was born, which is a takeoff obviously on David Copperfield. Uh, So she's very self-conscious about what she's writing, and uh, there seems to be no significant censoring of what she's writing. She's using the diary as both a a kind of a daily book, but she's also using it as a device for herself to both improve her own writing. and also to mull over certain kinds of issues that she's concerned about. Uh, The two great conflicts in her life have to do, and that's where the title of the book comes from, namely her desire, her own desires, her own personal needs, her own personal aspirations. She is an excellent uh, piano player and... uh, that gets in the way. Is she becoming too much interested in piano playing and does she wish in fact to be too much of a part of a quartet which takes her away from the life of the community. And the second element is um, her sense of duty, uh, that she feels a great sense of duty towards the community, she feels a great sense of duty towards the various men that she is involved with. and so reading the diary, um, Descendants had, had talked about it as being something that was quite stunning. And there were passages in it. For example, uh, when uh, the leader of the community says that the only time the community will be completely free is when they're able to have sexual intercourse on the stage of the community. Uh, one thinks: Is this uh, the 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 West Side of Manhattan, or is this uh, you know a radical spot? Is it Yellow Springs? <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it's really just Central New York in uh, in the 1870s, where these radical sexual experimenters are uh, willing to go so far. Um, it probably never actually happened, uh, uh, but the leader in some letters indicated whom he wished to see this, uh, how this performance would play out. This probably never actually happened, uh, but it indicates the frame of mind uh, that the leader was in at certain points in his career.
1: Well, it's absolutely fascinating from our view here in the year 2000 to read Terza Miller's memoir and to think from our viewpoint about this whole situation with this man who's getting on in years, uh, Mr. Noyes, who, who is really uh, a person that's highly respected in this community, and you're reading things about him. I don't know how old he was at the time, but he's talking about sleeping with 13-year-old girls. He's sleeping with his relatives. There, there's incest. There's all this other stuff going on. And you try to look at it from the view of that time, and you, then you have to look at it from your own time. And I had to keep thinking this noise
0: is some kind of pervert sometimes you know I, I
1: couldn't escape that feeling
0: well if if you think about these communities as being sort of like families uh this is a very large family and uh, families have all kinds of social relationships uh they have all kinds of uh, um, there have been obviously in some families incestuous uh, and uh, and sexual perversions occur of one kind or another um Noise was seen as a prophetic figure. The members of the community accepted um, throughout most of the history of the community that he was a prophet in a line from St. Paul. Therefore, he had and he also had uh, a considerable amount of personal magnetism. Uh, he was obviously a, a dramatic person. He was enormously self-confident. Um, as he got older, his self-confidence waned. And uh, some members of the community, and Terza herself, has these momentary thoughts that, is he, uh, is he just playing with us? Is he just using us for some other purposes? And clearly, in social experimentation like this, uh, uh, the, the the role of uh, people who have power and authority over other people is important. Um, noise initiated young women into the sexual practices um, he had first-night uh, rites, as it were, and some of them were as young as uh, 12, 13. Um, his, his argument in defense was that he never did it, had sexual relations with somebody who was not ready for this to happen, and he had a quite elaborate theological and um, social justification for why this was beneficial both for um the individuals but also for society in general um, he 's clearly self serving and emerges in in this particular memoir account uh as not a very nice person he's quite he 's quite a schemer he 's always pitting people one against another um there was it was a small community there were no more than 300 people. They all knew each other intimately. Uh, there was a kind of a Chinese whispering game that went on where people told rumors about other people. Um, so it was a small and intimate community in many ways. And noises in in this diary account, he's trying to hold on to his power and authority. And he does it by... Um, trying to manipulate Terza uh, against uh, some of the men whom she is in love with. And there are three great loves in her life. Um, she has three children in um, the experiment that they called um, culture which we would call a eugenics experiment, in which uh, at one point in the history of the community, they decided that they would um, have an experiment um, and begin to um, have children purposefully, and so people were mated one to another. The first person she has a child with is uh, her uncle, um, John Humphrey Noyes' brother, and from her diary account, uh, she's in her early twenties, she seems to be genuinely in love with this man. He dies quite suddenly. Uh, The second A man that she's uh, deeply involved with is a uh, a fellow musician. Uh, He's a coronet player, and she plays the piano. Um, Their child was named Haydn as a result of their love of music, and then the child's name was later changed to Paul, which is a much more appropriate Christian name, and the name was changed by the leader of the community who worked assiduously to sort of break them up. The third man whom she eventually marries when the community breaks up was someone who had been in Episcopal orders at one point. He's slightly older than she is, and at first she has virtually no interest in him. Uh, But she grows to love him, and they marry at the breakup of the community. Uh, This is Jamie Herrick. Jamie Herrick, who had been an Episcopal, um, he was in orders, uh, he he was never ordained uh, in, in Virginia. And uh, they eventually marry, um, and she had a child um, by him.
1: It was fascinating to me to read this, because when we think about what women were like in America in the 19th century during this period, she's a very liberated woman in many ways, about her sexual feelings.
0: Yeah she is it's quite remarkable uh in in both the range of um the men that she has liaisons with and all of this was um legitimate within the context of the community um at one point she's involved with five different men from five different age groupings, including a, um, a young 19-year-old. She's in her early 30s at that point, And uh, he's very much infatuated with her. Um, there is no hint in the diary that she feels any guilt about this. Namely, she accepts the uh, beliefs and practices of the community fully. Uh, she's confused at times uh, but uh, and, and overwrought with uh, um, uh, problems that, that come out of trying to maintain multiple relationships at the same time uh, but she is thoroughly liberated in the sense that uh, she is pretty much in control of her what they call social life, what we would call sexual life um, and at, at, at some points uh, she worries about the fact that she's for example getting older Uh, She worries about what her life has been like and what it it would have been like if she had, in fact, left the community. And eventually she resolves to stay in the community when it breaks up. And um, the diary, as diaries often do, end when there is a marriage. Diaries are often, uh, for women in particular, are kept pre-marriage. And in her case, she eventually marries, as all the women in the community and all the men do also.
1: And as the diary concludes, her uh, former love is desperately trying to contact her, and then it just sort of ends.
0: Yes, it it, it because in this particular case, her the her, the sec the man she has the the her second child with is sort of who has left the community is threatening. Um, Uh, to bring suit against her, to, in fact, take the child away from her. So she's greatly concerned about protecting her rights to keep the child. Uh, And eventually she turns against uh, the second man, the uh, coronet player, uh, and feels that he had been um, possibly the wrong person for her. So the diary is really um, her character unfolds in it. It uh, she becomes a much more multifaceted person by the end of the diary, and is and is a much more complex figure. Uh, and I think this in part has to do with her willingness to put down her most intimate thoughts, um, the most intimate details of her of her sexual life and. Uh, One reviewer has said that it's probably the most um, dramatic and open account of sexuality in 19th century America. I was struck by
1: her emotion, how she was so capable of putting her emotion down on paper. And she goes back and forth and her feelings are, are changing all the time. And she's really a good writer. She's very intelligent and you get a, a wonderful bird's-eye view of what's really going on in this community and the manipulation that noise is pulling on people. And there's a lot of heart-wrenching uh, stuff in here, yet according to her her own personal history, there are a number of things that were very uh, wrenching in her life that are not mentioned.
0: Yes, it's— they're there are silences in the diary and it's unclear as to whether or not um, these were things that were possibly too painful for her to write about. The the death of uh, her first major and important uh, lover is simply not mentioned in the diary. It does not appear. Uh, other uh, rather playful kinds of accounts, uh, since the, the community had very elaborate sexual theories, um, uh, they practiced the system of birth control uh, quite successfully for about 20 years, and then went to this uh, eugenics experiment in which people were paired off on the basis of physical and spiritual characteristics. But there's a great deal of joking about it. It's not that they are mere Scientific pawns, uh, and they're very self-conscious about uh, 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 what does this all mean. And uh, there's a certain playfulness uh, that occurs, uh, a sort of a certain kind of sexual bantering um, that's part of the diary and part of her letters. Um, That's a very painful uh, episode for her, and she passes over it. But then there are other um, equally painful things that she uh, includes. For example, um, at a meeting, at a community meeting, it's announced um, that her second important lover has not only left the community but has given up all of his legal rights in a document to to their child. And uh, she didn 't know that this was going to happen in a public meeting, and this was a, 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 a meetings were held every evening at the Oneida uh, mansion house um, and uh, she as she leaves the auditorium, she has a fit of uncontrolled screaming, and she records that and she 's obviously emotionally desperate and uh, feels both uh, as she 's been left. Uh, and at other times um it's pointed out that he then uh, annoys her uncle tells her this that she's um, that he has taken up with uh, another woman and that she's a- also a musician, so that her lover has left and and, and sort of abandoned her uh, and she frets about uh changes in her uh her interests and she frets about um her capacity to attract people. Is she getting old? Uh, an earlier working title for the, for the book had been a magnetic force, uh, simply because she sees herself as a magnetic force in the community and was, in fact, um, uh, a magnetic presence in terms of her relationships, but also in terms of her uh, political liaisons with important figures in the community itself.
1: You've been listening to The Best of the Book Nook on WYSO, sharing community voices through inspired storytelling. And that was an interview I did with Robert Fogarty 22 years ago, talking about desire and duty at Oneida. And uh, Bob died last year. He was a longtime editor of the Antioch Review. He taught at Antioch College for many years, and uh, he was a force. He's one of the more articulate, intelligent individuals I have ever met and uh, I've enjoyed many great conversations with him over the years and uh, he is missed. And uh, Bob joined us, that was our second interview, we ended up doing four on the book Nook over the years and uh, he was really an authority on these sorts of communities and, and I loved talking to him about that book. For the best of the Book Nook, my name is Vic McCunis. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to your public radio station, WYSO.